This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. can press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the ball? ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, sir. and pay attention, Boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Yeah. This is Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. As you see, both Mike Washington and Charles Bishop are out on assignment. So we're going to go off the radar a little bit and go to the uh, visiting professors and the HBC sports football analysts, if you would, with Joshua Sims Sr., V.J. Jones. And then we have old political, clinical professor. ポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコンポリティコ
frame because um, the title uh, concerned me, to be frank with you, as Deion Sanders is, quote, sellout. Experts say it's complicated, which is certainly what I said. Uh, and other folks, HBCU Pro Football Hall of Famers loyalty intentions were called into question when he traded in HBCU for a better funding. Um, they use predominantly, I use historically, because that's another construct that they use uh, that provides a different layer that allows as if historically uh, white institutions has changed and it doesn't give any historical context that they were found as historically white institutions for at that time, mostly uh, white men, later women, and then finally as they open up inclusion. While you have historically black colleges which were founded for black folks, but they never were discriminatory. Anybody could came to these institutions and they had. So it's a different framework when you look at who we are to each other versus how do other folks see us. And I'll see that reframe again. And so when you talk about that, I want to go back and give y'all some insight just to let you know how this works. So if you would, Drew, pull up the first email. It's a little small, um, so I get hopefully I get a chance to kind of read it to individuals so they can see it in terms of what that looks like in case um, it's smaller than I would desire. But I wanted to show you uh, because that's exactly where um, it came from. This is Char Adams, um, um, and she worked and writes, obviously, for NBC News. Um, and so she's a columnist, uh, journalist, if you will. So she said, hello, my name is Charles Adam, Adams, and I'm a reporter for NBC News. I'm writing an article about Deion Sanders and the reaction to his leaving Jackson State for Colorado. I would love to speak with you about the reaction largely from Black social media users and why you believe Black people are describing Sanders' departure as abandoning an HBCU. Would you be willing to speak with me in a brief phone interview today. I'd love to highlight your expertise in my story. So obviously I was pulled in here and I got a chance to do that. Uh, if you're in the academy and you, you, one of the things that you do in there is you write journal articles, books, book chapters. Um, those are things that you're responsible for tenure and to continue to weight and increase the value of the institution in this social norm structure, which means writing grants. And among your lectures, which I'd like to say as you get good with that, you become an expert teacher in a lot of ways. And one of the last things we are responsible for is uh, engaging with the institution in terms of service. And sometimes that can be outside of the university, depending on what that looks like, right? So notice the term she used, the governance structure. She said banding. But I guarantee you the individual that's and she happens to be an African-American um, woman uh, in terms of that. Uh, she does, she and her, uh, she puts out the EDMs out there uh, to, to be recognized in that. And that's why I use that framework, because she put it out there uh, from that perspective. But I would hesitate and I would question, I wonder who is the editor? What does the editor look like? Because it was purposely chosen to use in the title of the article, Sellout. And if you look at anybody's quotes in there, they don't use that terminology. Only in the first paragraph before you get into quotes and is it used. So I'm sure that was something that was done by the editor. She didn't do, even do that. So I want to clear her up. So I want to make it clear that we need to be understanding oftentimes there's tools that are used in this social structure 
that yeah. creates an environment where we argue with each other about things that we have. And I'm saying this is an important conversation in regards to who we are to each other. So we can have this conversation with Coach Prime, Coach Dion, our expectations. We can have this conversation mm-hmm. with uh, Shaw Adams in terms of who we are to each other. We can have it. That's a governor structure. We we have the right to have that conversation. But oftentimes you have other folks that don't quite understand that. And they use and see the world how they see it through a social lens. And they bring a whole different framework to it. And that's where you get a lot of confusion. And you see folks that are having these different degrees of um, framing. Because in the social structure, it's about individual growth. Individual framework. Right? Versus in the governance structure, it tends to be more about who we are to each other. Self-empowerment, right? What does it mean in terms of institutional frame? So I really wanted to make sure we did that. Uh, one thing I'll leave you with, and again, if you want to get a little more information on what this looked like, obviously you can read the article in my quotes. Um, if you would, Drew, pull up uh, my quote that was out there and I got a chance. She asked 15 minutes. I spoke for 45 and I went into the social structure and government structure. Um, but she touched on um, the quote I had put in there, which is um, I, as you all know, professor of health, kinesiology and sports studies, specializing in HBCU sports at Texas University, said focuses solely on the financial incentives and upward mobility of Sanders' new job ignores the social identity. And I also talked about social separation. I exempt. I, anxiety theory, those kind of theories are brought in there. I use fan engagement theory as well. Um, But this gets to the bottom of it when you just say social identity. Of sports, as much as college football is a business and money driver, there's a cultural significance to the programs that manifest itself in life, loyalty to teams, students, colleges, and choice. Quote, people are fighting two competing frameworks, end quote, Kabil the co-editor of the Athletic Experience at Historic Black College and University Past, Present, and Persistence. Obviously, y'all are quite aware of the book. Um, and so with that said, I just thought it was in contextual to make sure that you got an understanding of, of where all this is going. The last thing I will leave you with before I bring these gentlemen in, they can give some thoughts on this if like, but we're really going to allow them to get into the football context where they are, uh, where they thrive and stuff like that, because that's where the expertise is. And obviously, they're free uh, in this governance structure to give their opinions or whatever uh, part of that. But I didn't want to spend a great deal on that. I wanted to take that onus on myself um, for this process because that's where I've been groomed. That's where I lay out. The last thing that you might want to get a chance to check out is if you go to Twitter, Hip Hop Prez, um, that pre- previously was the president of Dillard. Um, and now he is continuing to do some work uh, on that level, he actually put out a tweet. I would agree and encourage others as well as particularly those that are engaging in uh, the Coach Prime debate to listen to Brother Carr, uh, Karen Hunter from this day forward, which is my return to his statement. He said, I would agree and encourage others um, as he put out there in terms of his text. Um, that I thought was important in terms of Dr. Walter Kimbrough. I would encourage everyone engaged in the primetime debate to listen to 
at African Carr, that's his Twitter handle, and at Karen Hunter, we call him Dr. Carr and Professor Hunter for those that engage with them. Uh, from today, Brother Carr is adding a nuance that most of us are missing brilliantly. And he's referring to a YouTube video that is called In Class with Carr. Um, if you get a chance, we'll put it out there in some spaces and pull it up. You can go check out that video. Um, he says this is part two of a three-part series. He'll talk about the Celebration Bowl, my understanding, next Saturday as it gets going. Uh, but he's talked about this the last two weeks. So if you get a chance to listen to that, you'll really get an in-depth knowledge, something that we don't have time to do on this show because it's really more about the sports. So with that being said, as we engage and get back into the sporting context, I thought that was important to put that on the table. This is the video that you see here where they start this dialogue. Brilliant folks that are in the space about who we are to each other. Um, they like to use the frame. Uh, what is the decision? What is this? What does it do to free us in that term space? So those that understand it and buying that can see that. With that being said, um, do you all have any additional thoughts that you all want to share at this time? I'll go with you, Joshua, if you want to get into it. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm going to, you know, kind of start it and just lay here. Um, I'm going to be quick on this. Doc. Um, as you've seen, as everybody's seen, um, through HBCU Nightly, um, you know, we've had a lot of these conversations. Um, I refer, I often refer to Dr. Cavill as the, as the general. Um, he knows this, and uh, that is a sign of respect that I have uh, for the work that he's done in this community and inside of this side of the framework and everything he's done, and on both sides, man. One of the few gentlemen who's had the ability to kind of ebb and flow between both sides of the uh, contextual societal uh, structures. And so uh, I often refer to him as one of the generals. And, and one of the things that uh, he brought to the forefront in HBCU nightly uh, two weeks ago was uh, under, well, last week actually, uh, was that uh, we have to be careful about how we view and how we depict someone else's views. Uh, we were using the contextual idea of, uh, of religious views, uh, you know, as we refer to it. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of an inside joke amongst the HBCU community about God and, and the, um, the consistency of Coach Prime's perspective as it pertains to God. And we, and, but he made a very poignant statement and made me go back and start writing last, um, last week about um, the importance of understanding perspective. Uh, and how perspective can change and look. Um, so I, I essentially landed my plane, um, you know, this week on one centralized idea. And uh, I do plan to do some more writing on this, but, you know, and kind of gather some information and some data as it pertains to this statement that I'm about to make. And then, you know, I'm going to pass it. But I am of the clear understanding that no institutions, businesses, corporations, have done more for the black community than the historically black college or university. Um, you know, I was posed with a poised with a question about Dr. King as it pertains to if Dr. King was made via the HBCU or made via uh, the, uh, the the black church. And and I want to make sure that people understand that I'm not doing you know a comparative analysis between what's happened between the black church and this and the institution that is the black church. And, and, uh, and good, because that's a social construct that wants that's you a social construct. Yeah. exactly they they serve two totally different purposes but they're um complementary to each other so no, um, where I, yeah. exactly 
And so I've, I've landed my plane on being able to make sure that people in the context of this conversation, uh, it is allowed for me to be able to do something that I've always wanted to do. And that is highlight the impact that historical black colleges and universities have had on our community, both in large and small effect. And so um, where I've kind of now turned my focus away from the coach prime component of this and, and Deion Sanders component of this, and uh, I've now turned my focus completely to making sure that people understand the impact that historical black colleges and universities have had. Um, and in a lot of ways led by uh, the general, Dr. Uh, Jacob Cavill, who's welcomed me in um, into this, um, you know, but also by people like my grandparents, like my parents, who all, all went to North Carolina Central. Um, you know, my wife's parents, my wife's uh, aunts and uncles and things like that, who all went to North Carolina Central. And, and this is all we know. So for those of you who are detractors, who, who may not understand the impact of HBCUs, who may not understand why uh, components of our and pockets of our community are so, um, you would say emotional, I would say passionate. Uh, I would say uh, just understand that we understand the impact that historically black colleges and universities have had, our greatness that we've sustained over the years and, and why it's important for us to be able to put ourselves back on um, at the pinnacle of our community's impact and, um, and wanting to see our student athletes that look like us come to our universities. And, and that's a larger conversation I understand and, and recognize, but uh, I will not come off of the stage that is that HBCUs have had the largest impact on the African-American community in this country. And we, these are the longest lasting businesses that our people have created. And, um, you know, and I'll, I'll support that with some data and some information as time goes by. But in the meantime, um, that is where I'm landing on this conversation. And, uh, and I am a direct, uh, I have a direct perspective as it pertains to that. My family would not be in the position that it is today had it not been for the HBC. So that's where I am. Ooh, important context. And you have done that work on Twitter. Uh, as much as B.J. Jones, as I've seen him correct folks that just kind of fly off the handle and make a comment. Yeah. And there's some folks out there that will check you in terms of your accuracy, not because mm -hmm. they're emotional. They just check you because you're accuracy. And they'll put it in a line, maybe sentence. If you're lucky, maybe two. Uh, sometimes it's one word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, was like, wow, <laughs> I love it. So coming to you, B.J. Jones, because you're one of those architects that have done that extremely well. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of what I open the show with? Um, I think the biggest thing that, that we've seen really over the last week um, is that a lot of the people who have seemed to have reveled in the idea and the thought that the HBCUs were broken down a pig look like us, look like us. That's the most troubling and disturbing um, thing that I've gotten out of this last week. Uh, and also, the with the internet comes a great responsibility. Uh, the internet, we've been able to inform people. We've been able to inform the masses very quickly, much quickly than back in the day when we had the daily news and the town newspapers. Uh, and it's weekly amazing. news, more likely. Right, <laughs> black newspapers. Yeah, uh, but it's amazing how an opinion and a picture. We put those together and create what we call a meme. Meme can go viral, can override the statements of a university as well as print media. Um, so it's been amazing to be able to watch that um, mm. and kind of see where we are. And then a lot of people who I, I said they don't understand nuance, they don't understand uh, deductive reasoning. 
um, and things that you would expect uh, college-educated people to understand. Uh, every argument is not a this or that. A lot of it is a this and that. Um, right. and, and it's amazing that people uh, don't understand that. Um, so I, I think just this entire week uh, just has been uh, – it's been interesting. Haven't seen a lot of Jackson State people, contrary to what people believe, that have been very upset. Uh, they've been seen, they've been, you know, more like, hey, water off of a duck's butt than, than, than most other people, right? Right. Um, so, but it's it's amazing how in this, these narratives get, get created. And it doesn't matter if the narrative is correct, uh, if it's sustained by fact, uh, if the narrative out there, we're just going to keep running with it because that's the narrative. With that being said, A.D. Drew, uh, as we close on this, did you want any final thoughts on this? Or are you ready to go to the break? Uh, no, you know, I got to get a piece of this also, Dr. Kabir. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to force anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, B.J., you, you know you know why people uh, like that and it different? It's, it's this long thing that I learned a long time ago. Perception is reality. There's... It, it it's I'm pretty sure it's it's bright and sunny where each and every one of us is. Here. But if I told you it was pitch black, dark, and snowing outside, and you believe that in your mind, there's nothing that I can humanly do to convince you that it's not pitch black, snowing, and cold outside. I'm sorry. That's just the type of people that we are. Here's the problem, BJ. There are two different cultures. There's black culture, and then there's HBCU culture. Just because you black does not mean that you understand HBCU culture. I have many of African American friends who've gone. Some of them gone to uh, historically white colleges. Some of them didn't, didn't go to college. But if you have never embraced yourself with the HBCU culture and understand and recognize that HBCU culture, there are just certain things that you cannot truly feel. Now, the four of us have had had the pleasure of embracing and living the HBCU culture in, in our all respective institutions. Dr. Cabell as an undergrad student at Prairie View, you as an undergrad at Southern, uh, Joshua as an undergrad at Central, and myself as an undergrad at Florida A&M. And you know the one thing that all four of our schools probably have in common? I'm not going to say probably. They do have in common. Our institutions were started with both hands behind their, their back. For those of us who went to a public institution, we got the worst draw when it came to the location of our school. You tell me any public institution that's an HBCU that is not either across the railroad tracks, by the graveyard, in the valley or swamp, or up on the hill. You name one. We got the worst real estate. We want to get y'all Negroes up out of town or get y'all the worst land. That's what happened back in the, in the late 1800s and 1900s in that post-construction era. It's either that or your institution was started by a church 
who wanted to help educate the African-American students. And, you know, the funding for churches or, or, or no. So with that, we started with our, both our hands behind our back. We have come a long way and we are living in a social experiment. We are now getting ready to begin phase three of that social experiment. Phase one was pre-prime. Phase two was just three years that we had prime at Jackson State. Now we're beginning phase three of that social experiment. So in about 2025, there's going to be some master student or doctoral student who will be able to who will be able to put together an equation and write a great thesis or dissertation based on a full evaluation of the prime effect. And mm. I might know who should do that. Uh, Charles Bishop, as he is in the doctoral <laughs> program. So, <laughs> great way to close. to navigate this space and do it quite like anybody else because he is of the governor's structure in more ways than we can examine. Most of somebody doing it from outside in terms of the social structure. With that, get back. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break and get into uh, the football context and really give you some information about this celebration bowl. Somebody's going to get a trade shirt that says champion uh, 2022. We'll see what that looks like on Saturday because this becomes about us. We're going to break down and give you some insights of the players, uh, coaches, um, and see what these gentlemen really think in terms of this matchup. We're going to take you inside quite like you've never seen before. Stickers will be right back after this quick break. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson, like really loves. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax.
press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yesa and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab. I want to go ahead and give this to you. As you've heard our monologue, I didn't get a chance to welcome everybody. Welcome to episode 342 inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports. For institutions large and small from the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBC sports culture. From NEIA to NCAA, as we say, we share that insight from the information of HBC sports culture. HBCU Athletic Aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU Athletic Program in the business of HBC Sports. We simply call it the HBC Sports Pedagogues. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Kabila, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bitcher. I did tell you both gentlemen are on assignment, and we're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM Studios with Texas Radio Hall of Fame, multi-Hall of Fame, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home, Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. As I did, I gave you the introduction as we have Joshua Simpson, DJ Jones, and AD Drew. I kind of gave you an opening monologue. Now we'll get into the sports. But I did want to take a quick break, uh, and we'll come right back on the other side and really take a deep dive. Because I want to get into uh, the All-American players, the numbers from particularly North Carolina Central and Jackson State, and ask these guys a little bit uh, as we get deeper. We talked in the previous week about the quarterback. <clears throat> we even talked about defensive back and the linebacker in terms of defense player of the year. I want to get into some of this offensive line play, this defensive mm-hmm. line play, uh, where these guys will surely tell you the game is going to be won. And many of you all know this. So I want to get into that exercise and that minutia in that level of detail. The stick with us. We'll be right back after this quick break. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Driving offers the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. Yeah, it rocks. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. 
standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. <laughs> It's like a loot machine. All around town, trying to get down. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love that and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Docterville inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. As you know, they're out on assignment. So we have the football gurus and the clinical professors uh, as we have these adjunct professors in here getting it done. Joshua Simpson, B.J. Jones, A.D. Drew. Um, as we look for this huge matchup, I mean, I'm really excited about this matchup. I'm not sure if we've had a matchup that is so synergistic in terms of clearly uh, what will be the best two teams this year uh, in HBCU football in terms of coming in this game that happen to win their conference champions uh, when we talk about the 9-2 North Carolina Central Eagles and the 12-0 Jackson State Tigers sitting at 2-1 and respectively. But let's get into it. We've talked about the quarterbacks, and we'll do that in the last segment. But I want to get into um, these guys that were on the first team and second team. For the MEAC, Talking about the quarterback, Davis Richards, as you would imagine, as he was player of the year, a junior, uh, Bell Glade, Florida. Um, he was a first-team player representing North Carolina. Then you go to the running back, Latrell Collier, North Carolina Central. He's out of Bluefield, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Jr., center. Caracelli, Simpskins III, mm -hmm. uh, sophomore, Charlotte, North Carolina. Offensive lineman, Corey Bullock. Junior, North Carolina Central, uh, out of Maryland. Do you know what that city is? How to pronounce that? I have no idea how to pronounce it. And they, they probably done joked on this kid all year long about where he's from. <laughs> Not, I, don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's a Kokeek, A-C-C-O-K-E-E-K. -E -E uh, and I'm sure you're right. They probably have given him a great uh, amount of grief in terms of where he's from. And, they, and, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Another offensive lineman, Robert Mitchell. Richard Senior, North Carolina Central, as Millsboro, Delaware, to kind of round out those members that were on the first team offense. Uh, that is five players. And before we turn around and get to Jackson State um, in the defensive side, uh, let me go to you, Drew. What are your thoughts when you talk about the accumulation number of talent uh, that you see on the first team? Does that resonate with you going into a bowl game championship type game for you? Well, for me, I, I like to look at first teamers in the trenches, offensive line, defensive nice. line, because w when it's all said, done, that's where the, the game is really won. Skill players are skill players. I mean, you could go out and get you four or fives. You could go out and get you somebody who could catch the ball somebody who could tackle. The, the, the thing that tends to separate all of these HBCUs and championship-level HBCUs is the front five on offense and those who play in the box on defense, whether you run, whether you run in the forefront or three-front. Those are the ones who tend to separate it because I don't care how much of a four-five you got. I don't care if you can throw that ball 60 feet, 60 yards, flat-footed. 
if you ain't got nobody to protect you, the ball is going to never get there. And on, on the flip side, if you, if you got the best cornerbacks in the world and that defensive line is now putting pressure on the opposing quarterback, I, I, I'm sorry. They could be the best cover corners in the world, but they will constantly get beat because they can't hold – They look, they, you ask them to do it for three three seconds, that extra second is the difference between that, that extra yard that gives them that separation where the four or five on the other side catches, catches the ball for the touchdown. So those are the ones I, I really want to elect, those first and those second teamers in, in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. That, those are the ones who, who make difference, especially the way that the MEAC has dominated this series for the six times that it's been played. BJ Jones, I'm coming to you in regards to um, this first team. Tell me a little bit about, as you watch um, North Carolina Central offensively, what impresses you the most? Oh, it starts with number 11, um, Davius Richard. Um, Josh has been talking about this young man. I've, I've gone back the last two days, watched North Carolina Central <laughs> Morgan State, went back and watched North Carolina Central South Carolina State. Um, man, he's special. And it's a difference when you have a quarterback um, that lifts with the, the linebackers in the defensive line. And Mike is, by Trey Oliver's account, is probably the strongest man on the football team. Wow. Um, when he starts to run the ball in the second half, you see defenders making uh, – they make a career decision. <laughs> They're not as eager to tackle number eleven as they were in the first half. And the thing that the thing that gets you about Davis Richard, if he couldn't run, he's the man in the pocket. He has an arm. He can make every throw. He made a throw that was a third and eight against Morgan State. Well, he put one on the sideline and he dropped it in the bucket. And ain't a lot of quarterbacks can can make that throw. And the killer part about it, he, he made the throw rolling out. Mm. Um, he, he is definitely special. The collection of backs that North Carolina Central have all bring something different to the table. Um, and you don't know from game to game which one of those guys are going to get off. And that center up front, uh, he has had a dominating year. Um, there were there were some touchdown runs they had where he basically took either the, the, the nose guard or the tackle, and oftentimes the linebacker. And when the play was over, they were back there by the safety. Mm. Like, he's had a dominant, dominant year. And the thing about North Carolina Central that people are really, really going to really pay attention to quick is how physical they are. Not just defensively, but offensively as well. Joshua Sims, I know you really talked to us um, about Davis Richard. You know, you've told us many of the things that we need to understand what makes him special. You even got a chance to share uh, about your running back, Latrell Collier uh, from North Carolina Central, uh, when I say yours. But I want to get in a little bit about this uh, offensive line, particularly those on the first team. I want to give them a little shine. Center, uh, Simpkins, the uh, offensive lineman, Bullock, as well as Mitchell. Talk a little bit about what makes them uh, good. Obviously, B.J. Owens talked about the physicality. Uh, of those offensive linemen. If you would, go in a little more and tell us um, why we need to understand uh, these particular guys as first teamers, but that offensive line in general. 
Yeah. We, um, the North Carolina central brand of football, um, under Trey, under head coach Trey Oliver is almost a renaissance back to what it used to be in the nineties uh, when we played division two football. And, and nobody understands this better than probably Trey Oliver, you know, having played on the team in the nineties um, and where it started and ended for those nineties footballs team uh, teams that were in North Carolina central is that offensive line just wanted to punch you in the mouth and see if you was going to respond. And even if you did respond, they were going to continue to, metaphorically punch you in the mouth for four quarters to see if you would fold. And so when you look at this offensive line, this offensive line is very resident of our head football coach. Uh, you know, which whether it's Simpkins or it's Mitchell uh, or it's Bullock, I've seen these young brothers uh, develop. And uh, this offseason, I talked about that. I talked about that. As much as I talked about Davies Richard being, you know, and all of the accolades that he was bringing back this season, that offensive line for me was the point at which I said there was not going to be any team inside of the MEAC that would be able to play with us. Uh, for those of you who did not get a chance to watch that South Carolina State game, the offensive line absolutely dominated that South Carolina State game. You know, we made mistakes at the skill position. AD Drew just talked about we can go grab the skill position guys from just about anywhere you can. It was the skill guys that made that made mistakes. It was it was you know some a little bit of the play calling in certain situations that caused us to lose that game. But one thing that we know for a fact this entire season that has been the most consistent part of North Carolina Central football has been that offensive line. Um, man, Robert Mitchell, man, is an absolute dog. Um, there's, it's not a coincidence that this kid, this young fella was named offensive offensive lineman of the year. It's because of how dominant he's been in the trenches. And one of the things that people have to also kind of recognize about Central, and if you paid attention to the season, is slowly but surely we've rolled in some depth. You know, some of our young guys that normally probably wouldn't play, you know, as we were getting up on teams like Morgan State by 20-some-odd points. Yeah, I'm taking a shot, Morgan. Uh, by 20-some-odd points. <laughs> some of these young guys, we put them in the game, let them get some experience. As we were beating the brakes off of Howard. You know, some of our young guys got in the game, got some experience. As we were beating the brakes off Norfolk State, some of our young guys got in, got some experience. And that is where we as a program have decided that we're going to become best. And so when you see this game, it is. It's going to ultimately be a battle dot of what's going to happen in the trenches. A defensive, a defensive unit that is used to basically having its way against most of the teams in their conference and an offensive line unit that is used to basically having its way against most defensive units. And so it's going to be a chess match to see whose will is willing to be imposed. And what we've seen is if you got a good enough offensive line, you can find a way to win some ball games. Good points. Good points. Um, just to cover it, first team defense, uh, you know we've talked about this in terms of the defensive player of the year. Khalil Baker, defensive back from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Hey. You also had the play kicker, Adrian Olivo, uh, Plant City, Florida, a junior on there. Uh, in terms of second-team offense, you had E.J. Hicks, a wide receiver, redshirt senior from North Carolina Central, Roseville, North Carolina, wide receiver Devin Smith, sophomore North Carolina Central from Durham, North Carolina. Uh, these individuals were actually tied uh, – <laughs> Uh, why you have three individuals on the second team in terms of wide receiver that you don't necessarily see. Second team defense lets you know just how deep this goes. Defensive lineman Jaden Taylor, a redshirt sophomore for North Carolina Central, 
Dorm, North Carolina. Defensive lineman Kobe Roy, redshirt senior from North Carolina Central Fayetteville, Georgia, uh, as well as linebacker Jackie Rivard, uh, sophomore from North Carolina Central Dorm, North Carolina. We got a defensive back from North Carolina Central, also on the second team defense, uh, Manny Smith, uh, redshirt junior from Laurel Hill, North Carolina. Um, and that is the list in terms of your first and second team. Stick with us on the other side. We'll come back and we'll look at that first and second team uh, from Jackson State's perspective and give you some insight in terms of what makes that team special. Stick with us throughout the week. Uh, obviously, Tuesday we'll do our show. Uh, Thursday, well, I will be um, in Atlanta. So we'll do a live show there at that time. We're working on seeing if we where we'll do the show at. Um, in terms of whether we'll have a position of folks that can come out in Atlanta that wants to see the show, we'll see if we can do that. If not, we'll certainly bring it to you live, so all, you'll get to see it regardless. On Friday, we'll do a live remote. We'll have many of these 10 members that are able to get there. They'll come on, and so we'll take a deeper dive in some of these uh, defensive side of the first team and offense and defense of the second team in North Carolina Central. We'll be able to take a deeper dive then, and we'll do the same thing for Jackson State. So look for insight and coverage all week with this group here, particularly on this show. We're going to give you a lot of the information. Follow the normal shows here as we talk about B.J. Jones, HBCU, his top five Tuesday, as he'll bring it to you like he always does on Twitter. We told you about HBCU Nightly, um, where they moved to Saturday. So look for them next Saturday. So it'll be a recap in terms of what you'll hear the next time you'll see Joshua Sims from his Twitter Spaces account with the group there that does a great job. But you got A.D. Drew. Make sure you check them out tonight. They'll have a long episode to really break down many things that we don't get done here. You have your general team, O&G Strike Zone, that I'm sure that they'll get into a little bit of this. Um, go back and check out Carlos as he uh, brings it to you in terms of Saturday. I'm sure he'll have a uh, breakdown on the show. We'll see if he'll move that show because it corresponds usually with the time of the game. So I don't know if they'll do a live uh, remote talking about the game or if they'll move the time of that show. But those are some of the folks that will continue to get it done and just want to give you an update. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the other side where we'll break down those first teamers. And we'll start with the defense from Jackson State that's up against that offense that we just talked about there. We'll give you the rest of the first and second teamers from the SWAT perspective because we're going to give you some highlights on the players um, in terms of those that will be in the action uh, that will get us all excited and pumped up about this Celebration Bowl in Atlanta, and that's the Cricket Wireless Celebration Bowl with the kickoff at noon for those in the Central Time Zone. Um, uh, there, I should say, 11 o'clock Central Time Zone, 12 noon Eastern Time. So it'll be fascinating to see as all the media come back and give you a breakdown of what takes place. We'll be right back after this quick break. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. Be there soon. We is this the one? Well, 
Let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. They're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. It's like a loot machine. All around town, people trying to get down. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, who so listen to Professor Yesa yes, and pay attention because he gonna teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Lil inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Again, they're out on assignment, so we have none other than B.J. Jones, A.D. Drew. Joshua Sim Sr. will be right back with us. Uh, as we talk about the superlatives of those Offensive players of the year, which included an offensive lineman of the year uh, that we mentioned in terms of the first team that we broke down for North Carolina Central. Um, Robert Mitchell, uh, just to let you know how nice he is. Obviously, we talked about the coach of the year, Trey Oliver. Let's get back in and give you a breakdown of what that looked like on the swag side of those announcements. As you imagine, first and second team uh, players of the year were literally littered with Jackson State players. Um, and we're going to focus on that, guys, because they're in the celebration bowl. Uh, defensive player of the year, as you know, was Aubrey Miller, Jr. We highlighted him last week. Shador Sanders with Jackson State. Um, you had the freshman of the year, Kevin Coleman, Jr., from Jackson State, wide receiver. That was part of that top 50 uh, recruiting class that included, obviously, the number one recruit um, in the country. And then coach of the year was Deion Sanders. I wanted to focus on. This first team, obviously, we talked about North Carolina Central offensively. We gave you everybody. Uh, so we're going to focus a little more on defense first team uh, and give you those from Jackson that you need to consider as you get into this. Um, defensive lineman, you have Niles Gaddis from Jackson State. Obviously, linebacker Aubrey Miller, Jr. from Jackson State. Defensive back Cameron Simmons-Craig uh, are your defensive players in there. So I'm going to start with you, B.J. Jones, to talk about this defensive unit um, and, and what they get done in so many ways. Let me know your thoughts in terms of, of what is going on there. Oh, man, defensively, Jackson State applies a lot of pressure. Uh, now, again, we talked about him being on the first team, man. He's an imposing figure, you know, standing at 6'6". Six, six. It is very difficult if you think you're going to throw the slant game with 6'6", six, six coming off the defensive end. 
Um, and he's probably the most improved player from last year. Um, the one of the, the the feedback, some of the feedback I got from scouts uh, coming in, into the year that he was kind of stiff, um, and and that kind of was hurting his evaluation. But he's kind of improved that. Uh, very improved player uh, transfer. I think he's only going to get better. To me, the the straw that stirs the drink defensively for Jackson State is Cameron Stillman. Uh, number seven back there. He makes play after play after play after play after play. Uh, very special. I know that Aubrey Miller will get a lot of the attention, uh, but Silman Craig, whether it's through the air, uh, supporting uh, the run, he is the, the drink that, that, that stirs that Jackson State de uh, defensive drink. And then you talk about Aubrey Miller, man. What he's able to do um, is, is, is bang. Uh, he, he's a force on the inside. Uh, he makes sure tackles. He doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Uh, Swag defensive player of the year, as you guys, uh, you know, just said. Uh, defensively, this unit, quite frankly, the best in FCS football. When you look at the yardage they give up, points per game that they give up, had a, uh, you know, anomaly last week against Southern when they gave up 24 points and the amount of yardage they gave up was, a, you know, season high as far as points and yardage. Right. Uh, but consistently uh, throughout the year, now, this defense has been uh, – this this defense is the reason that this team is in this ball game. Uh, make no mistakes, no, no mistakes about it. And it's just uh, the, the the work that Coach Hart and Coach Zimmer and uh, can't forget Dennis Thurman, they've done on that <laughs> side of the football two years in a row. Man, that's really good information when you break down. And like you said, Dennis Thurman, the way he – um, is so aggressive in terms of attacking the offensive at the SCS level, understanding that that is a lot for offense to take down and more times than not in terms of just uh, of what it takes to consistently beat that. He'll take his chances. Uh, with that, I want to go to you, Drew. Same framework in terms of that defensive players. Uh, what are your thoughts? And I imagine – uh, you like to focus off us on the uh, defensive line like you talked about the offensive line. And I think you put a little bit of that in there in terms of the defense. Talk a little bit about Jackson State defensive line as it's led, at least by the first team, uh, Niles Gaddy, Gaddy, excuse me. Also in terms of that um, second team defense of some other players, the, uh, Ferguson on that defensive line is Justin Reagan. Uh, that's alongside and at times plays alongside Gaddy in terms of what uh, gets done there. So tell us a little more in terms of your thought about this defensive line, and now you get a chance going up against the offensive line that you talked about earlier. Uh, break that down for us, and what particular things are you looking for in that matchup that's going to give you indication of who will have the advantage uh, throughout that game? What makes this Jackson State defense special is their ability to stop the run and to make teams one-dimensional. They, they go through, they stop the run early, along with their offense being able to put up some quick early points. And you have this, teams have this thing when they feel like they get down by more than one score against Jackson State. They need to panic and they need to go outside of their character and sit back and try to throw the ball. Well, when you sit back and try to throw the ball against this Jackson State defense, that's what Coach DT wants, Dennis Thurman. He wants you to sit back and try to throw the ball all day so he can come with those exotic blitzes that he likes to do 
once he gets to the point where he can where he can blitz you, leave those corners out there and cover zero situations and, and just come out and put more pressure on you, the more pressure he puts on you, the more turnovers this defense causes. Well, what I'm going to be interested to see is I don't see – I haven't seen Jackson State face a team thus far this year that seems to be as committed to the run game as Central is. Throw in the fact that you have an extra running back back there who will have the ball in his hands at all times, that being Davis Richard. So not only are they going to have to be committed to stopping the running backs from Central, they're also going to have to stop the extra running back being the quarterback, who may be, honestly, the best runner on that central team. So that's what the chess match is going to be. Will Central keep themselves in position where Jackson State cannot come with the blitzes? If they could do that and keep themselves out of and long situations, second and long, third and long situations, we're going to have a very interesting game, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. We may wind up having another one of the shootouts like we had two years ago with A&T and Alcorn put up 100 points between them. No one expected that with those two defenses, but those two offenses countered those two defenses exactly yeah. how they had to do, and we had a basketball score in the in the, in the uh in the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. So that's what I'm really trying to see. I, I, I'm really thinking that we may wind up having a basketball school out here. That would be fascinating because I think most people coming here thinking it's going to be more defensive-oriented, but that's why the game is played. So you, that you got a chance to put that little nugget out there. We're fascinating to see if that part of it comes true because um, one of the things we continue to shout out, you said we go – as far back in terms of opening up this season about what you said would happen to the West division in terms of three losses will win it and teams tied up. Yeah. You were right on that money. So I'll be I'm, interested. I'm to looking see to have some whiplash watching that ball go back and forth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With that being said, Joshua Sims, uh, similar question looking at this uh, first team defense uh, of Jackson state, as well as second team in terms of these defensive people on here. Uh, we talked about defensive lineman Niles Gaddy uh, in terms of what he brings to the table, defensive back Cameron Silman Craig. Um, I'm interested in those kind of matchups in terms of what that looks like against those wide receivers that are second teamers for North Carolina Central, obviously, in terms of, of where that may go up when you look at Jackson State. Obviously, the second team, uh, as you have Justin Reagan, lining up with Niles Gaddy, getting it done in some so many different ways. We already talked about the linebacker core of Jackson State. Talk about Jackson State from a defensive perspective. And if you would, maybe get into a little bit of um, Hunter and, and what they do from a defensive in those wide receivers. Are they going to be some man on man? Or you see uh, the chance that um, offensively maybe – uh, Central will not allow as much as you can to try to do the man-on-man -man as they'll move their wide receivers uh, in different positions. But uh, we talked about the key plays between these 
right receivers. But I want you to get in a little bit of talk more on the Jackson State side or what that looks like them in terms of what you see them wanting to come in this uh, game and play from a defensive perspective, particularly when you look at the safeties and the defensive back. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> defense coordinator Dennis Thurman really believes that he can line, he can crowd the box and match up man to man against you know against teams because he knows he has the athletes man and, and then you know these guys are physical they gonna put their hands on you um, when they do go zone it's matchup zone you know like it's 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 very interesting to see because I, I haven't seen the defense really be called that way um, you know through the HBCU ranks in a long time. Um, you know, a lot of what I've done is kind of sit back from, all, you know, watch the game from an offensive coordinator's perspective and say, like, what would I do against this? You know, what type of calls worked against this? A lot of meshes, a lot of uh, uh, pick routes, you know what I mean, inside dig, sit routes, you know, things where you got to try to get to a spot before they can get to a spot, rub routes, things of that sort that can be able to work. Um, you know, but but to, that, to the credit of that defense, man um, – they don't really allow for you to get into the spot where you can take advantage of those, you know, rubs and, 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 uh, you know, off, off, off routes and things of that sort. You have to be in certain scenarios and situations to run those routes, uh, mesh, different things like that. You got to be in scenario down in distance that makes it make sense. Um, you know, you know, Southern, uh, last weekend, you know, they use a lot of inside slot slants route, slant routes, you know, quick routes that allow the quarterback to get the ball out of his hand and beat a guy to a spot. You know, so this defense uh, is nasty. It is. It's very um, opportunistic. Um, you make a mistake, they're going to capitalize on it. Uh, and you talked about Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, uh, very similarly uh, in this defense, in this style of defense, is almost perfect because Travis Hunter has always poised himself. When he was in high school, he's always kind of painted himself to be a man-to-man style corner. He wants to be put on an island one-on-one with your best receiver, and he wants to see, can he take that away? One of the things that I, I found to be a little interesting now is, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of something in that swag championship as it pertains to Travis Hunter. And uh, I ain't going to talk too much because uh, I know Chuck ain't on here and I can't tell Chuck what I saw. But I will say that our analysts at North Carolina Central, they saw it too. It's on the board. <laughs> so, but, but, but to the point, man, Travis is an absolute ball player, man. This, this kid... You know, wherever he is, you better have your eyes on and, and circle wherever he is on the field. Um, you know, this defense is incredible. And, they, and their defense starts in that first seven. That defensive line's ability to get up the field and make plays and let those DBs play in space and make plays on the backside is what makes this defense special. Uh, and to your point, you know, Hunter um, was injured in that game. Obviously, two weeks. Um, so hopefully it was the type of injury that he can come back. And so the question is, is actually, is he going to be able to play um, and so we'll see what that looks like um, as the week comes up, because I'm sure that question will be asked uh, and we'll see if we get any information on it. Obviously, in championship games, oftentimes coaches are extremely coy. We understand it, but it's our obligation to at least ask the questions. And we'll see even if it's a game time decision. Uh, but with that, it's not like Hunter um, had time out throughout the season. So this team is also prepared to play without him. Um, and so if you're talking about from Jackson State perspective, that would be at least a good thing that they are not, you know, um, have not been in this scenario before. Before I let you go on this show, as we kind of up against the time, man, we could go in so many different directions. Make sure you check us out on Tuesday as we'll get into 
um, offensive, defense in terms of these coordinators to really give you some insight. We have that ability and that information coming up this week. So check us out on Tuesday as we go there. Um, and then as we told you about the rest of the week, uh, we'll get these stalwarts back to make sure you can get all the inside information you get to see who is going to get the T-shirt that says Celebration Bowl champion. In this case, essentially whoever wins this will be the Black College uh, national champion, certainly at the major division level for us. And we do it here. We separate it from the mid-majors. So we disputed this year. Uh, to Well, some people have uh, the combination code. So you might have some people picking Benedict overall. Um, I doubt that in that case, and I think there could be an argument for that. But talking about what we do here, obviously what we do with HBC Pro Sports Media, we separate these polls in terms of the mid-major division and major division. Mid-major division, we've already capped that and crowned Benedict uh, College uh, in terms of that and had a chance to talk to the great coach over there. Uh, to acknowledge what he done this season in terms of that work there. What I did want to close on the show and just kind of go to each one of you, and I want you to answer this from both sides, North Carolina Central, Jackson State. What does North Carolina Central have to do to come out victorious in this matchup? At the same time, what does Jackson State have to do to come out victorious in this matchup? Starting with you, A.D. Drew, what are your thoughts? What would you say the one thing that Jackson State has to do to get this victory, and what is the one thing that Central has to do to get this victory? But Jackson State, is, it has nothing to do with physical. It has nothing to do with X's and O's. They have to keep this us-against-the-world mentality with all the outside distractions and detractors going on. If they can stay singularly focused, if their coaching staff, even though some of them have the the – you know, feet out the door and are making moving arrangements. If they can stay focused on this task and completing this task, Jackson State can be victorious. So that's what it's going to take for Jack Jackson State's uh, point of view. From the central point of view, they no turnovers. It's that simple. Central cannot afford to turn the ball over and they need to they need to get an extra possession or two against Jackson State. We see some chinks in the Jackson State arm when it comes to special teams, uh, with the punt game and 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 field goals. Now you don't want to kick the ball at Jackson State because we know what they do when you kick the ball to them. But on the flip side, you know we've had we've seen some problems with that. So if they could gain an extra possession or two right there, a shank punt, a missed field goal. Or, or, or a turnover and equate those into points. And speaking of points, Central has got to score touchdowns. They cannot score field goals against Jackson State. Then Central can win this game. I agree with you on the punts. They've been pretty money on the field goals. Last year they had major problems. But this, goal, this year they got a freshman coming in. He's been really lights out in terms of field goals. And because of that, I thought they'd done a better job of not forcing the action and taking field goals that they didn't take last year. So overall, I do agree with your points. Great points when you talk about one, being on the field for Central, and one in a lot of ways being off the field for Jackson State. Great analysis there. Let me go to you, Josh, I'm senior, uh, to talk about your perspective. Same question, Jackson State, what do they have to do? Central, what do they have to do to come out victorious next Saturday uh, to uh, hold up the trophy 
for the yeah. celebration bowl. Yeah, if, if if I'm Jackson State, man, in this game, uh, I'm actually going the opposite of Drew, man. Don't make any mistakes. Um, if you've watched North Carolina Central this season, when teams make mistakes, we capitalize. You do not have what you would normally have on a Saturday in the sweat in this game. You cannot afford to make any mistakes against this North Carolina Central defense. If you do, we are the most opportunistic offense and defense that you will face <clears throat> ever. Um, and the second just kind of small point is, Hopefully you've learned from your mistakes from last year. It's not seeming like coming into this game, not focused, a lot of distractions, a lot of things. Football is still the way it was. It's been played for a long time. It's when you limit the distractions, you limit the mistakes, you find ways to win games. But if you're North Carolina Central, let me look into this camera. (laughs) If you are North Carolina Central University, play our game. It is a physical, punch you in your mouth, see if you're going to respond, Mike Tyson style of football. And if they can't respond, keep punching them in the mouth until it's all zeros on the clock and you will be victorious. We don't have to change nothing. We don't got to do nothing special. We don't have to try to pull out no trick. We don't even do that. Be us, do us, and you'll see that we were the better team from the start anyway. That's all I got to say. Nice, nice. Sounds like he is giving the pregame speech over there, North Carolina Central Eagles. With that being said, uh, taking off his analyst hat a little bit for a while and going into the Eagles fandom, that's fine. We do that here. But that's why I made sure we close with B.J. Jones and open with A.D. Drew because I knew he was going to sneak that in there after he did the <laughs> So nice, fully closed. He had to swing some. Put another piece of bread on the sandwich, B.J. Charles is not here, so we'll make sure Charles get the play back and we'll bring Charles on Tuesday. In with some balance. We're going to with some balance with B.J. Yeah. <laughs> make sure he gets a chance to retort. Uh, but with that being said, B.J. Jones, I did want to get your perspective in terms of those uh, questions there. What does Jackson State have to do to get this victory, and what does Central have to do to get this victory on Saturday? What Jackson State has to do, they can't have these 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 periods where they kind of check out of the game. You saw it uh, against Alcorn. You saw it against Alabama a You saw it against Southern. Um, they cannot have these periods because if you have you have one of those uh, during this game, ain't no ain't no coming back. Um, there, there there's no coming back. Um, and and then uh, if you're Jackson State. Uh, quite frankly, you have to keep Shadour Sanders upright, and he has to make uh, plays when, when the plays are there. Mm-hmm. Don't force anything, just make the plays out of there. Uh, if you're North Carolina Central, let's start with two things. Stop the run. Savion Wilkinson, we cannot be calling his name. Get Shadour Sanders uncomfortable. He is a completely different quarterback once you hit him, and he's uncomfortable. Also, looking at the Celebration Bowl last year, the big difference in that game, South Carolina was physical, South Carolina State was physical from the jump, and you saw in the second half, Jackson State guys looking up at the clock, like, man, how much time we got left? They were ready to get out of there last year. They had been hitting the mouth so hard. You saw when they went back to the sideline, uh, Auburn Miller had, literally had blood coming out of his mouth. They were literally hitting him that hard, and he was not Auburn Miller that you've been seeing uh, this week. When the bully is accustomed to being the bully, and you hit them in the mouth, and you keep doing it, they kind of check out. So I can honestly say put that blueprint out. 
North Carolina Central has the athletes to be able to do it. We'll just see if they'll be able to do it on Saturday. Great points, great points by all. G. Boone Holly sneaks in there and has the question of the day. Is Charles Bishop in Colorado like his buddy Neely was? <laughs> I, can, I can tell you all, uh, I have seen Charles Bishop, and I know, no, he is not in Colorado. Actually, uh, in all seriousness, we'll say a quick prayer for uh, Bishop. He's not feeling well, um, and so he's trying to rest up to make sure that he can make the trip this weekend. So he's just uh, recovering, and I told him, go ahead and sit this one out. Take some downtime to make sure that he's well in doing that. But, no, he did not go to, to Colorado with Neely. You didn't see him on the camera. That's why, because he was here <laughs> in Houston. Uh, but great questions. Again, see, we can do that in the government structure because we can have fun with each other and talk noise. Um, it's when the social structure gets in the way oftentimes uh, that we lose our way. With that being said, thank you all of y'all. Great information. Like I said, we'll look forward to this week and find a way to make sure you get on with the group so we can all continue to break down this game. We got some final points that we need to do, and obviously we'll have our final scores in terms of who picks who. We'll kind of save that and stretch that out. We'll find a way to get that to you, whether we record it or get these folks back on camera to do it live. I didn't want to do it this early because a lot of things are happening. We're still looking at news. We got some time to do that as we will give you the lead coverage on Black College Sports, uh, downloading JBN, uh, my JBN, my BCSN, following all the shows. You'll get your latest updates in terms of what to expect uh, as you get into Atlanta. Or if you can't get there, you're tuning in. We'll break down all aspects of this game uh, from the business side uh, to the cultural side. Uh, to the mental side, obviously the physical side, what's on the ground in terms of the players, all-stars, who to keep your eyes on. We'll give you the framework also in terms of what that looks like uh, in terms of those calling and making plays. With that being said, thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and family. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Obviously, make sure you follow A.D. Drew. They'll be on tonight with Brian and A.D. I can't wait to see where they go. Might have a surprise guest. Looks like they'll be reaching out to John Grant to give you some insight, the latest of what's going on there. We had him on Thursday, so you can go uh, see what that was like. Before that, on Tuesday, we had Jay Walker to give us some insight in terms of the game analysis. Um, obviously, tune in to B.J. Jones on Tuesday as they get into HBCU Top 5 news, what's going on there. And follow him on Twitter because he is wonderful in terms of how he provides jewels here and there and checks people when they get out of line, frankly, to tell you that. Joshua Sims Sr., he's right then, masterful in the way he does it as well. So make sure, again, you check them out. No uh, HBCU Nightly on Wednesday this week. Never know, things come up, so just keep an eye on it. Something might dictate the need to do it, if not on Wednesday, a lot of part. But he certainly will be there on Saturday night to make sure you get your first update in terms of the post game. Uh, everybody's thoughts in terms of what that looks like. A.D. Drew uh, continues to give it to you and give you all the information and stands in the gap for what we do. Again, we're working on uh, last year. We were able to give you a Sunday show to kind of close things out. I'll actually be in the air 
So if we do it, it might come later. We'll continue to give you that information to give you updates there. I'll be headed to Las Vegas to make sure you can get the latest and most update news as we go from uh, one sport to the next sport. We go from football officially closing things out in terms of the season with the Celebration Bowl. Then we have the Chris Paul Basketball Classic uh, with North Carolina a t Texas Southern University, Norfolk State, and Hampton playing in that game. I'll get the chance to see the second series of games there live on Sunday, so I'll be in Las Vegas. First games to play later, and we'll watch those on television to give you updates there after the Celebration Bowl as they'll be played uh, Saturday. So just giving you a lay of the land for this week, a lot going on. We'll be here. With that being said, dream big, continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Drew? Of course. Sims? Lecture. Jones? Dismissed. Good holler, y'all. Money, great job.